The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor teacher, Harry Reeder. If you'll take your Bibles now, and if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Chapter 15. So if you look down with me in verse 20. Now, folks, I, I, this was going to be my regular 40, 42 minute uh, Sunday night, but I'm going to have to kind of tighten it up a little bit. So this is going to be a little bit like a Bible study tonight, discipleship time, as I work through this third and final study of called the death of death in Christ. So we have examined where did death what, uh, come from? It came from sin. And that was in Adam. And when Adam sinned, we sinned because we are in Adam. Please remember what I shared with you. Theologically, before God, there have really only been two two men in this world. And that's Adam and the second Adam, Christ. In Adam were all of us, all of humanity, and in Christ were all of the elect of God. And uh, so what they did, we did. And so that is the uh, that is what we call federalism. And that is the federal headship of Adam over all humanity and the federal headship of Christ over all of the elect and those who belong to him. So when when Adam sinned, we all sinned in Adam. And when he sinned, it introduced death. The wages of sin is death. And that death is threefold. Physical death, separation of the soul from the body. Spiritual death, we're born separated from God instead of in communion with God because of our sin record and our sin nature and that original sin. And then comes the third death, physical death, spiritual death, and then eternal deaths. Depart from me, separate from me for all eternity. And that is in the lake of fire. So those are the three deaths. The second thing we learned is how did death spread to all men? Well, death spread to all men in first, in Romans 5 by, because all have sinned. One, we all sinned in Adam. That's original sin. And then with the sin nature, we all have engaged in actual sin. So that is death that is before us. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, that's Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead, that's Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, people say, well, now look, in Adam we all die, Pastor, I believe that. But in Christ, we're all made alive. That means universal salvation, doesn't it? No. you got two different Adams. you got two different alls. The all, of Ad, uh, the all of Adam number one is humanity. The all of Adam number two is the elect of God. That goes to the next verse. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But... 
each in his own order. Christ, there's the second Adam, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Who belongs to Christ? All that the Father gives me. And as we have affirmed many times, none are lost because of the efficacy of the second Adam. But here we find the Bible tells us that death reigned, had dominion. Romans chapter 5, death is reigning. But even in the Old Testament, there are these, I uh, like the way one guy said it. And by the way, can I go ahead and do this? I forgot to do it. I'm sorry. Um, I always like to try to I'm going to recommend a book on stewardship when we return to it after the missions conference. And, and then this is, uh, this is a definitive book. One of my dear friends wrote this. And uh, um, and um, uh, Reverend uh, Michael Rogers at uh, Westminster in Lancaster, PA. Really, what happens after I die? Um, some, this goes into much greater detail than what I'm doing in these seven or eight sermons. And I highly commend it to you uh, for your own study. So what, what about the reigning of death? Well, there are, there are periodic... Have you ever, um, sometimes I'll go in my backyard and I'll look out and uh, we look out over a valley from my backyard and the clouds will have come in, uh, particularly on like a spring day. And they're just, they're coming through rather rapidly. And every once in a while on this cloudy day, you'll see a ray of sunshine just, just come right through the clouds. And, uh, and it just looks so beautiful. Well, it, this de- reign of death, and it's spreading to all men. Every once in a while, in the Old Testament, there is not only a promise of salvation, but there are rays of light. Enoch walked with God and was no more. Elijah, taken up. To be with the Lord. Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You are with me. Let me give you one of my favorite rays, but I don't want you to have it in front of you. Take your Bibles and uh, go to that Old Testament book, Job. Go to Job. Go to chapter 19. Job chapter 19. Here's one of those rays of life. Light and life shining through the Old Testament as God is giving us his covenantal promises of redemption in a Messiah through the covenant of grace as it's unfolding in the scriptures from Adam to Noah to Abraham to Moses and then on to uh, uh, to uh, David. And as this covenant is unfolding in the scriptures, we get the opportunity to see these rays of light from time to time. But in Job chapter 19, there is this glorious picture that's given to us. And if you'll slip down with me uh, down to verse. um, Let's just go down to verse uh, 21. All right. Go down to verse 21 with me. Uh, Job 19. I tell you what, let's just go all the way down for the sake of time to verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, dust to dust, 
death. After my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and my eyes shall behold and not another. This causes my heart to faint within me. Do you see what he's saying? I got a redeemer. And that redeemer is going to save me. And even though I die and this body returns to the dust, yet God shall raise up this body yet. And in that body that has been that has gone from dust to dust through death, it shall be raised and I will see him in my glorified flesh. This when the mortality has put on immortality that I shall see that. But perhaps the best rays of light are the promises of God that are given at the same time that death descends through the disobedience of Adam. Then comes another, this glorious promise from God, and the ray of light is given to us. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. So we're kind of pretending I'm doing a small group Bible study, which is basically this is the way I do one. I'm not a very good small group leader. So based in small groups, I just preach. So this is um, this is a good small group, which means but it does mean we go to a lot of different passages. Look with me in Genesis chapter three. Now uh, that um, man has sinned, the curse has fallen upon Adam and Eve and all of creation. But look at what it says when the curse comes upon the woman in verse 14, uh, upon the serpent. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And your bell and on your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now watch the serpent through which the demonization process was brought to fruition as Satan himself, through the serpent, came to, came to tempt them into sin. Here is what he says. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, or your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his head. Now, what is that telling us? That's telling us that God has made a promise in the midst of the curse. God has made a promise that two and this promise has two dynamics to it. Number one, it is the anticipation that through the woman chosen will come a seed, which also which means that a virgin birth because women don't have seed, that there will be a woman who has seed that a virgin shall conceive is the anticipation of what will become abundantly clear in other passages of Scripture and in the life of Mary. <clears throat> but now what will this seed do? This seed will go to war with Satan and with all of his seed shall go to war with him. This will be a death struggle. He shall be bruised, but Satan shall be bruised upon his head. The, the seed of the woman shall be bruised upon his heel, but Satan shall be bruised upon his head. So where is, which one is the death blow? The death blow is 
The death blow is, of course, the head, not the heel. But yet it's going to cost this promised one. It's going to be a conflict that will cost. Now, what will it cost? Well, the scriptures become abundantly clear. It will cost him his life. But he shall yet be raised in triumph. This is anticipating the coming of Christ. Now, so now let's go forward to the New Testament where the fulfillment of this promise takes place through Mary as she gives birth to the Emmanuel, God having come in the flesh. Why did God come in the flesh for this holy war to bring war against Satan and to bring war that he will triumph? That will be a life and death struggle. That's what he now comes to do. So if you've got your Bibles, let's find out why he came into this world. Well, Pastor, I know why he came into this world. He came into this world to go to the cross. He was born to die for our sins. Well, let's be a little bit more precise of what he came to do. Would you take your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter 1? Matthew chapter 1. A little bit more precise here. Matthew chapter 1. We've just finished going through this somewhat in our Christmas Advent season. But look in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. Matthew 1 and 21. She, that is Mary, your betrothed, she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. That's Yahshua, Yahweh saves You shall call his name Jesus. This is God having come in the flesh for what purpose? To save. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. He was born to go to the cross and to to enter into this mortal combat with Satan and all of his servants and all of his schemes and all of his snares. He was born for this holy war. Why? To save his people from their sins. But that's not all. Take your Bibles and go with me uh, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and again, would you go with me uh, down to, um, uh, go with me down to uh, verse 25. Husbands, this is a definitive text on the marital relationship. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church, that is his bride, to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So Jesus died to purchase his church triumphant, holy and triumphant. Acts twenty twenty eight. Elders are told. Shepherd the flock of God. Upon which he has made you overseers. The church of God. Which he purchased. With his own blood. Now go with me to 1 John. Chapter 4. 1 John. Chapter 4. 
written in First John chapter four. We are um, we are instructed that Christ has come in the flesh and anyone that denies that Christ has come in the flesh is not from the Lord. And so if you don't mind, I'm, for the sake of time, I'm just going to give you first John two and first John four. And here's what it said, that the son of man appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy. Now, please underline this. The works of the evil one, the works of the devil. Now, what are the works of the devil? Chaos, separation, sin, death, death. So Jesus goes to the cross to do these three things and they're intertwined to save his people from their sins. Then to purchase his church, not only individually to save them, but to save his body, his bride, the church of Jesus Christ. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because he went to the cross and overcame the gates of hell. And then what does he do at the cross? He is destroying the works of the evil one. What is one of the works of the evil one? What is one of the works that he uses to hold people in bondage? It is the fear of death and then the judgment. And Jesus goes to the cross to set us free from that. Got your Bibles? Go with me to one more text, another text, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. There are a number of places in Hebrews that we could go. But I want you to go to Hebrews 2 with me. Here is Christmas according to Jesus. Look at verse 10. Here's what he says. For it was fitting that he for whom that's Jesus, for it was fitting that he verse 10 for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make should make the um, should make the fountain should be ma- I'm sorry. I mean, in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through sur- suffering. So who is the founder of our salvation? It is Jesus. So how does God establish him as our savior, the father? For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me since therefore the children that God has given to him the child to save the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he that's Jesus might destroy the one who had the power of death. That is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Who are the offspring of Abraham? Those who are saved by faith, even as Abraham. How does he do it? He sets us free from the fear of death. Now you can see those rays of light from the Old Testament. We don't die. We go through the shadow of death. 
Now you can understand why all those euphemisms in the New Testament for death. Whenever a believer dies, Paul doesn't say they died in the, in the word thanatos. He reaches for another Greek word, translated sleep. He's not teaching soul sleep. What he's doing is giving a euphemism to tell you that the death of a believer is absolutely different than the death of an unbeliever. The fear has been eradicated because Christ has over Christ has won the victory over it. If you had gone to um, to Paris Island uh, and entered into that wonderful thing uh, called boot camp, uh, uh, used to be called basic training, became boot camp. And you would have met probably about a six foot four Neanderthal. They called a drill sergeant. And uh, you would look him, he'd look at you and said, I'm your mother, I'm your father. You just live to please me for the next 13, 14 weeks. And then, uh, what, is, what are you ready to do, Marine? Well, that, that Marine would probably say, I'm ready to die for my country. And he says, I'm not going to make you ready to die for your country. I'm going to make you put our enemies to death for your country. Now, certainly he'd be ready to die, but that's not your objective. Your objective is to put the enemy to death. Your objective is to defeat the enemy. Now, that's true in warfare, except for one war. And that was the one that Jesus came to do. He died for you. He died for his church. He died to destroy the works of the evil one. He died to set you free from your sin, from its shame, from its power, and from its consequence, death. That's why he would say, even though you die, yet you shall live. That's why he makes that promise to us six different, seven different times in the book of John. That even though we die, yet we live in one form or fashion of another. Well, how does he do that? Because he wins the victory and at the cross, just like I was in Adam when he sinned, I am in the second Adam. And when he wins the victory at the cross, I win. Because the Bible says we die with him, therefore we shall reign with him in all of his victory and in all of his glory. Would you take your Bibles and go with me to Luke chapter 11? Jesus explains all of this in a parable. Luke 11. I feel like I ought to do my Alliance Youth Fellowship Bible drills here. Luke 11. Who's got it? Stand up. No, I'll I'll do it. Okay. Luke 11. Luke 11. Uh, Go with me down to this uh, amazing uh, parable uh, that's in uh, verse. uh, uh, Let's see. Just pick up at verse 21, if you would. Here's here's what he says uh, at verse 21. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. Then what? But when one stronger Then he attacks him and overcome him. He takes away his armor in which he trusted 
and then divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So what is he saying? Here's a strong man. He's got all of his weapons and armor to protect what he has. He's pointing, he is picturing Satan. But then one stronger comes. That's Jesus. And he comes in. And destroys not only his weapons, but defeats him. And then he plunders out of his palace. That's you. He plundered you from the dominion of sin and the fear of death. Through what he did on the cross to win the victory in his holy war. Christ victorious for us. That we might have everlasting life. In him, this was listen, folks. This was so hard for the disciples. They're on the road to Caesarea Philippi. They're on the road to Caesarea Philippi. And as they're on the road to Caesarea Philippi, Jesus says, who do people say? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I say to you that you're Peter upon this rock. I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I must go to Jerusalem and be put to death by the scribes and the Pharisees. And what does Peter say? He pronounces a malediction upon Jesus himself. God forbid this. Even his disciples didn't get it. That he would enter into mortal combat. And it was in his death that he brings the death of death for us. That we have Everlasting life that we with Job can say this savior who died and rose, my redeemer liveth. And though I die, I shall live in my flesh, that glorified flesh. I shall yet see him. So now the promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now we go through the valley of the shadow of death and nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Because when Jesus died, we died. When Jesus rose, we rose. When Jesus ascended, we ascended. And now we who are positioned with him in glory, living here for him as I'm sure you can fill in the blank. Worshippers, soldiers, stewards, disciples, as we're engaged in the business of the kingdom, he will return. And when he returns, all of his enemies that he defeated at the cross, when he returns, he'll destroy them in the lake of fire. Sin, death, hell, and the grave. And a new heavens was rolled out before me. And there was no sickness. There was no death. There was no crying. There was no mourning. The former things passed away because of what he did on the cross in the death of death through the death of Christ affirmed in his resurrection so that you and I have everlasting life in him. Well, pastor, if that's the case, though I die, yet I live. 
And what happens when I lay down to sleep and I do not awake and my soul he takes? What happens when I die and go to the valley of the shadow of death? Well, he'll be with you. And he's bringing you to himself. What will that look like? Well, that's, that is an extraordinary question. We'll answer that next Sunday night. It's called the intermediate state. He's not yet finished with you. It's called the intermediate state. And we will get an opportunity to take a closer look at it. You see, I want you to get this headship thing. I'm going to close in prayer. I think we're pretty much on time here. Uh, do you all remember that we had an astronaut, astronaut named Neil Armstrong? Do you all remember him? Where did he go? To the moon. Of course, we all know that was really a TV studio, that that really didn't happen. <laughs> No, I want you to know it really did happen. And forget all the conspiracy the- theorists. Uh, he landed there. It's been an interesting movie that was just done on his life. And, um, but, um, but he landed. And do you remember when he landed? It was, I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, do y'all remember he had to jump off the ladder? Do y'all remember that? Because why? The pods were too high. Does anybody happen to know why? This is a point that's not a point, but I just want to give you the point. Anybody happen to know why? Because they had figured with billions of years, there would be X amount of moon dust that they would sink down into. (laughs) It was about four inches. Well, we won't go there right now. So he jumps down. And do you remember what he said? One... Small step for a man. One giant leap for mankind. And what he had assumed is that he took that step. But when he took that step, all of mankind took that step with him. He represented us. Now, that was somewhat by assumption, not presumption, but by assumption. And it was a glorious thing for him to say. But then he went a few feet away and he took an American flag and he placed it there. And what was he saying then? He had been commissioned to do that by the president of the United States. Because when Neil Armstrong landed... We landed with him. When he put that flag there, that was us. That's what I tell people. We don't have flags up here for uh, idolatry or anything. Our flags, including our own, are all here just to simply mark out their purpose. These nations are where we're going with the gospel. And when we've got these flags, what we're saying, we're going to the people that that flag represents. Well, that flag represented all of us. That's called federal headship. And when Adam sinned, we sinned. And when Christ died for our sins, then we were redeemed 
because we were in Christ, having been given to him by the Father, and he saves us there at the cross. Therefore, he has saved us. He has liberated us from the power of sin, the shame of sin, and the consequences of sin, the fear of death. And if God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? And who will lay a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who is raised. Who is at the right hand of the Father. Who even now intercedes for us. And who can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I am convinced that neither death nor life nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the moments to continue our study of understanding the doorway of eternity which because of sin is death, but because of Christ holds no fear or bondage over us. For our Savior, through his death, has put to death not only sin's shame and guilt, but sin's consequence, and that is death. So we are in Christ, who will be with us as we go through the shadow of death into life evermore. Now, Father, bless us as we anticipate looking at what that will be like in eternity in the coming weeks. But, Father, in this week, I pray that everyone here has died to sin and themselves to give themselves to Christ who died to set them free, that they may live forever with him. And, Father, may we walk in the triumph of the victorious Christ over sin, Satan, death, hell, and the grave. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reeder, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.